Hey friend, we just wanted to pop over and remind you of all of the freebies that we have on our website at hustlehumblypodcast.com slash resources. There are quite a few on there. They work for buyers and sellers, for your business, all different things you might need and all for free. Mm -hmm. Alyssa, which one is your favorite? My favorite freebie is the due diligence checklist. Oh, that's a good one and Mm -hmm. so impactful for your buyers. Mm -hmm. It's a great email template. It's a really good one. Uh, My favorite is probably staging checklist. Mm -hmm. I want my sellers to have those houses looking good. Yes, yes. So head over and see which ones you would like to download or get them all. Enjoy. Hello. And I was like, oh, thank God. I thought I was like, like you thought you were failing miserably. Failing this conversation, but they just couldn't hear me. But it's such a good lesson. Hi, y'all. Welcome to Hustle Humbly. It's Alyssa and Katie, and we are two top producing realtors in the Baton Rouge market. We work for two different companies where we should be competitors, but we have chosen community over competition. The goal of our podcast is to encourage you to find your own way in business. So stop comparing yourself and start embracing your strengths. <laughs> I have to get a good giggle out. Uh, shake it out. Shake it out. Okay. Hi. Hello, Alyssa. Hello, Katie. It is episode 66. Perfect. The art of negotiation. Okay. Um, can I do a disclaimer at the beginning? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not like a crack negotiator, <laughs> but we have received many requests for this episode. So we did a little light research and we're going to give it a go. And we're going to just talk about what we do. Yeah. I think that's fair. Like what we, works for we, you. We have managed to negotiate a deal or two. Yeah. So I guess we'll just go with that. Also, I was interested to learn this morning when I was prepping that there are m- multiple podcasts simply about negotiation. Hmm. So if this doesn't satisfy your needs, people, just there are resources. Search it up. There's plenty of them. So when we were talking about how we're going to talk about what we do. Yeah. One of the statistics I found is that if you took your top five strengths Uh and put them in order, okay, the chance of somebody else having your top five strengths, oh, it's like really slim, is one in 33 million. Whoa. Isn't that crazy? Okay. I mean, I feel like this is a good follow-up. Did you think about your five strengths? Because you're putting me on the spot. I definitely don't know. I kind of put some thought into it, but five is kind of a lot. It's a lot to say <laughs> these are my strengths. But how are you framing this? Like in just who you are as a human or in business? Or I think in- I was thinking about it in terms of like business okay. and negotiating. Got I it. feel like I am better at handling my emotions. Okay. You're very even tempered. Very even tempered. Okay, I like it. It takes a lot to ruffle my feathers in business mm-hmm. because it's business. Right. Like, no one's going to hurt my children. <laughs> True. True. But it's like the way that some people react to things. Is you it? would think that something right. horrible has happened. Yeah. Agree. And I feel like you can't operate that way. No. You won't make it. You if, won't. If you get upset that easily. Because well, there's a lot to get upset about. In real oh, estate. my gosh. <laughs> yes. There's plenty. But you're going to also just be unhappy. Mm-hmm. And this is, a, like we've talked about before, how it eventually leads to burnout. If you yeah. go into every negotiation, which is sort of integral in this job, and <laughs> you're always upset, and you always get your feelings hurt, and you're always annoyed, or you're always just or if you're the other side of that, if you're the one who's a strong negotiator and kind of a bully or kind of angry and like approach people meanly, that's going to wear on you too. Yeah. All of that wears on your emotions and wears on just your ability to continue. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's very interesting. I would say one of my top five would be listening. Yeah. You're a good listener. I'm a, I'm a good listener. But you're also a good like 
speaker in that you word things well. Thank you. I would say that I'm an over talker. <laughs> so I have learned in the past that there is one really good negotiation tip that I'll throw out right here in the beginning. Just don't say anything. <laughs> be quiet. Just be quiet. <laughs> and like I read, I must have read an article or took a class or whatever it was. And I remember thinking, okay. And they framed it in a way like with a story. And I'm like, I'm going to try that out. I remember this one particular phone call with my own client, seller client, that, you know, he was kind of off the rail and I just said nothing. And I think he had maybe listened to the same article (laughs) because he also said nothing for like a full minute on the phone. And I'm like, I wouldn't have been able to do it. And I'm going to tell you right now, I was like, I will not relent. I'm not (laughs) going to be the one who says the first word. And that's true. You guys just, you have to say nothing because the other person will get uncomfortable and mm-hmm. fill the silence with things that they shouldn't say during a negotiation. Right. They'll start rambling. That's why I love showing a for sale by owner <laughs> and the seller takes you through the house because I just ask the question yeah. and I just listen and then I just be quiet and I'll, they keep on talking. And then I'm like, you are just, just mm-mm, telling no. it all, tell it all, sell mm-hmm. it all. But that works. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One thing um, I found really interesting is that most people probably think this episode is about negotiating an offer. Yeah. But the more I was thinking about it, there's so much more to it than that. Yes. And we're not only just negotiating with the other side. Right. We are having to negotiate with our clients. Yes. Like how many times have you had to tell your client, this is what we need to do. Yeah. And this is why. Yeah. Or this is why we are not asking for this. Yep. And this is why. Mm-hmm. Like the majority, I feel like I negotiate more with my clients yes. than I do the other side. I agree. Because I'm constantly having to pull my client back to what is reality? What is acceptable? Let's put ourselves in the other person's shoes. Like, I, and I think that this is pretty common and we've talked about it before. I'm not coming at a negotiation from an adversarial place. No. I'm coming at it from a win-win. We, you want to sell your house. I got people who want to buy your house. This should be easy mm-hmm. to like figure out. Right. Or if we can't figure it out, just walk away. <laughs> and sometimes, and I do have to watch myself because I think this comes with the volume. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I'm like, then just cancel it. Like I don't. Like, that's enough. So that's a good point. And I have to watch myself. Because you don't need that transaction to go through. But your client might be hoping and wanting it to go through. So it is hard. That's probably a good thing to remember. It's not just about what your end goal was. It's about everyone else that's in in that negotiation. But like, okay, real life example. I just got a repair request that has like 20 things on it. Okay. I have the listing. Mm Mm-hmm. It's pretty obnoxious. Like really tiny stuff? A bunch of like just tiny things that I know would be a disaster at a final walkthrough. Right. Like, oh, this faucet still wiggles. (laughs) You said you were going to tighten it. Because you know what always happens? The the plumber shows up and says, it's fixed. I know. Yeah. But then they come back and they're like, no, it's still When I shake it. Right. Who does that? It still wiggles. Are you going to use it that way? Oh, man. But one item on there was like, remove this tree. Okay. 
I honestly, I've been to the house several times. I'm not even really sure which tree. Like, I didn't see a I'm, tree. Yes. And nobody that has shown it or mentioned the tree. Has mentioned the tree. And my seller was like, hey, I'm just letting you know, like, we're not. I'm not taking down the tree. We're not taking down the tree. We'll work on getting estimates on everything else, but we're we're not. Yeah. We're, we're not. And yeah. I was like, okay. So I messaged the agent back. I was like, look, I'm just going to let you know if the tree's a deal breaker, we're not doing it. And you can just go ahead and. Cancel. Cancel. Because right. we're going to take the next 72 hours to get estimates on everything. But if you want to move on. But if you don't want any of us to get estimates on everything else because of this tree. Yeah, don't waste our time. Yeah, just just cancel it. Yeah. You know? So it's, you know, it, I made in my notes that sometimes I want it more than my clients do. Yes. Like, I want it to work more than they do yes and sometimes I'm like is that a competitive thing or is that just a I think I think some of it is that and I do communicate this with my sellers but on a different transaction say I know if this doesn't go through what the ramifications what, yes, are I know what it means to go back on the market yep. in November yep. I know what it means yep when people are like, why did you go back on the market? Yeah. I know how many showings we've had. Yeah. How many, did we have any offers during right. that time? We finally have someone. Yeah. So like, I don't want. Because of your market knowledge. Yes. Yeah. I know that it is best. And I do my best to communicate that. Well, I think that's good. But sometimes I have to just take a step back and yeah. say, Alyssa, if they don't want to do this. You can't make them. I can't make them do this. No. But you have to give them all the data and your whys. You yeah. can't just say, do it. Do it. Just do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you can't just do, do that. It. <laughs> okay. I I also wanted to talk about the podcast that I found this morning. And again, like I said, there are many. Uh, was talking about mindset being important when you go into your negotiations. Oh, yeah. So you have to believe that it's going to go well, that you're mm -hmm. going to, your clients are going to get what they want, that you can, you know, adequately communicate. Like you have to have some baseline beliefs yeah. about your mindset and the negotiation process and not be afraid. And that way you come at it with some confidence and um, don't get you know pushed around. Mm -hmm. And then you, you're more likely to succeed if you believe you can succeed. Right. Um, also um, in their article I read, it talked about you're always negotiating, right? Yes. Was this on your list? Yes. Yeah. I'll add it's, my, my comment. You, it's all what you're always negotiating, whether you've made, I think you're negotiating from like literally from your showing. Like if you're on the buyer side, yes. it's going to start all the way from there. It's going to go all the way to the closing table. Do not fool yourself into thinking once you're under contract, that negotiation has stopped. It's never stopped. Um, but also it was talking about body language. So how you present yourself throughout the whole thing is the negotiation, not just that little moment in time when you're talking about terms and an offer. Yeah. Negotiations start way before you're writing an offer. Way before. I think it goes back to how did you do what you're showing? Did you turn off the lights and yeah. lock the door or did right. you pick the sellers off? Yeah. Did you give them 15 minutes notice right. and they're already annoyed? <laughs> yes. Yeah. How was your feedback? 
Yeah. Was it helpful and polite and professional? Well, I now have thoughts on that. Or was it over the top one way or no? You can't be overly complimentary, but you can't be no. Like I hate your house, but hey, I'm going to make you an offer. Yeah. Kind of. Part of me thinks that if I know, like we go in and and my clients are like, we want to make an offer. I don't do the feedback until after I've done the offer. Right. Same. I Same. I don't think that you. There's no way you can go with feedback that will get you where you want in your negotiation. If you're too nice and say how great that you love the house. And they're like, well, you really want it. We're going to be firm negotiators. If you tell them everything that's wrong and the reason why you're making your lower than list price offer, then they're going to be annoyed. Like, and maybe look at your, what if you end up in a multiple offer? Okay. So that was going to be my next question is say you're at the showing and you know that they like it. Obviously you have to act quickly. Yeah. I think you have to act quickly, no matter what kind of market you're in. Uh, The moment a buyer is interested. Yeah. Let's get this done. Yeah. Um, because you also don't want your buyer overthinking. Yes. Yes. Okay. So at that point, I think even when you reach out to the listing agent to say, Hey, do you have any offers on this property at this time? Do you have a close date that would best suit your seller? Uh You know, kind of just giving some more information. Yeah. Up front. If you are where they are, I wrote the exact same thing down. If you are not making that phone call, you've already done a disservice to your client. Like, especially in a multiple offer. I know a lot of markets are super hot right now and everybody's dealing with multiple offers. If you didn't make the phone call to the listing agent that said, hey, you know, first of all, do you have offers? Right. Like, let's not all waste our time. But what about the closing date? And tell me where your clients are. Why are they moving? Where are they going? Or just ask some general questions. What is going to be successful for them? Like, mm-hmm. do they need a longer close or shorting close, a shorter close? Is it really about the money? Like what, what's all of their motivation? If you're not making that phone call, yeah, then you're already, you're already behind mm-hmm. for sure. And I think too, with that, I, um, you know, I serve on our board and I serve on committees and even just doing this podcast and helping other agents. Um, I think it's important to be somewhat involved in your realtor community on some level. Yeah. Because then when people get offers from you, they know they've heard your name, even if they've never met you. Oh yeah. You know, I know like even just serving on our board of directors, like sometimes my information is on emails that mm-hmm. go out to all 3000 realtors in our marketplace. Yep. Um, but just, it always comforts me when mm-hmm. I know of the other agents submitting yeah. the offer because, yeah. and it could help you in a multiple offer. Um, it's helped it for sure. In the last probably five to seven years, I've noticed that I can get a contingent offer accepted more easily because people know who I am and have potentially worked with me before. Uh, it, it makes a difference. Your reputation makes a difference in your negotiation. And that starts when you're not even working with someone. Yeah. Like how do you speak to other realtors? Right. Just on a regular encounter right. or if you run into them somewhere. You know what it makes me think of? Our So our local Facebook group, there are just some people that are always in it complaining <laughs> and, you know, like upset about stuff. Yes. And then when I, if I saw their name come in on an offer on my listing, I might be like, Ooh, I, I don't know. I don't know if I want to work with this like, person. Especially if I'm in multiple offers and I yeah. get to maybe pick a different one. Yes. I, y'all, your behavior follows you all the time. How, what you say on social media. Yep. What you think you're saying in these private realtor Facebook groups. Right. Don't you think do that. you're protected because your clients can't see. 
but your peers can see. Yes. And they're going to get to choose. Is this the kind of person I want to work with? Right. Exactly. Like you really need to just, there's no need to say anything negative. No, there's never a need for that. And you really don't need to put it in a public forum. No. Even though it's a closed group, that's pretty public. I can't tell you how many times like things are screenshotted and sent. All the time. You know, like, look at what's going on in the round table. It happens all the time to me. I mean, (sighs) y'all. Don't be that person. Don't be that person. But it will ruin your reputation in negotiation. It'll make it very difficult to negotiate. Um, When I'm thinking about that call to the other agent, too, in the beginning, um, I want to know like the motivation of the seller. So I'll ask, why are they moving? If they're kind of like hesitant about it, you know, if they're reload, typically they'll be like, they're moving out of state, you know, like they're yeah. just going to tell you they got to sell. But if they're like, I'm going to, I'm going to try and push it. Be like, are they te- like, you're, it's priced a little higher than comps. Are they just trying to see what they can get? Like, I need to know where their head is at before I can even start with an offer. Right. And I think that's a step that most agents are missing. Well, someone asked recently, like, do you offer a little bit off the price and then ask for closing costs every time? And I'm like, it all depends on the data. It, yes, it totally every depends on the data. Every offer I make, I submit with data. Yeah. To just say, I agree. All of these sellers paid closing costs right. in so the neighborhood. Normal in your neighborhood. Yes. This here's Especially if it's a tricky one. I yeah. mean, if it's pretty cut and dry, I may not send all my comps to the other agent. Right. That I'm, I know that you know how to do your job. I don't right. want to come off well, as condescending. Well, if it's priced right. Yes. But yeah. if I have real data to yeah. support your why offer. my offer is mm-hmm. maybe 15000 under what you're asking. Yeah. I think it's important to share that and to say, we do love the house. Mm-hmm. I don't want our offer to make your sellers think otherwise. Right. However, these are this is the data that we right. see. And we still want to, I'll maybe make a few notes. Like we still want to update the kitchen countertops and we know the floors need to be refinished. Mm -hmm. So to do these things, this is why our offer is what it is. And we just wanted to see if it works for you. Yeah. Great. Right. You know, and that's the, you can only approach it that way in a, you're the only offer. Right. Situation. Right. Totally different, like two different things. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I think this is super important. And you're constantly in the negotiation with your, especially your sellers. Yes. That starts from the listing appointment. Like we're negotiating list price and get, making repairs and doing, you know, painting. They're going to push back. No seller comes to that appointment and is like, oh, you want to list it 5000 lower than my neighbor? Great. Yeah. Like no one is going to just give that to you. You're negotiating in a way that will get you to the finish line. Right. So you have to like, think about it that way too but i i try to get as much info as i can about a seller when i'm representing the buyer so that i can tell my buyer this is their motivation you can't make an offer twenty thousand dollars off a list price when they are just testing the market right i mean now if, if they're in the middle of a divorce or some sort of if it's like a lot of times if it's a secession or something maybe you could come lower because there's no mortgage in place and you know these all these things play into yes. it Days on market. How long has it yes. been here? Day one, we cannot is it empty? do that. Is it occupied? Right. Right. All these things. All, but there's all pieces to the puzzle. You're trying to give, and you've got to give your client all the pieces to the puzzle before they try and make an offer. For the first probably eight years of my career, I could tell you without a shadow of a doubt, whether my buyer was a $50,000 buyer or a $500,000 buyer, they would always want to start 10000 off a list price. Oh my gosh. Ten. It was almost, 
it got to be funny to me because I'm like, let me guess. Do you want to offer 230 on this 240 house? And I'd be like, yeah. And I'm like, yeah, I what know. Is I know. So does everybody else. And I think that's an okay method if the data supports it sure. and if there are no other offers. But it's funny to me that buyers aren't going to, without your knowledge and advice, they're not just going to go give full price. But you know, that's how I feel about like giving the buyer the inspection report and right. say, let me know what you want to ask wanna for. Do? What do you, you want to do? do? Mm-hmm. It's like total chaos. Mm-hmm. And I'm, it, it's, right. they, they truly want everything. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's funny because I had a home inspection recently and he, at the, at the inspection, he was going through everything and he was like, yeah, you know, just want to let you know, um, there are several smoke detectors missing. I found them in the closet. They mm-hmm. probably were chirping at 2 a.m. You just need to go get some new batteries. And right. they're like, oh, okay, whatever. He said, but on the report, it is listed as a safety concern. Right. Um, because by law, that's what I have uh-huh. to do. So I just want to let you know. We get the report. And the safety section is like, it's like red. And it has like lightning bolts. Okay. <gasps> lightning yeah You're so like, it's like it's like these are the safety concerns oh god and i get it alert alert like, yes but by law that's like what they have to do you know alert people. i don't know that the lightning bolts were required yeah, by maybe law. just red you know <laughs> but my client was like oh my gosh we have got to ask them to do the batteries to do the batteries no, and i'm like no 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 we're not <laughs> i know this looks scary all of a sudden but because oh, i had word. i had sent her my draft yes which was exactly what we had discussed at the home inspection. So they saw that prepared. All right. But when they got the report, they were like, and you oh, see no. that it's 50 pages long, they were like, we need more things. Yeah. Oh. And so it's just, but that is us negotiating with our client yep. to get them the best results with the seller. Yeah. So that the seller is going to take that a lot differently than you did. Yes. Oh, a lot differently. Yes. But it just goes to show if you tell a buyer, hey, Mm-hmm. What do you want to offer? Right. With no guidance, you're opening yeah. yourself up for disaster. And I have found that once you have lost control of the client, yeah, you cannot. It's hard. It is so hard to get them back. No. To, because once they think that they're running the show, they mm-hmm. don't trust you. Yep. They don't care about your opinion anymore. No. You can't rein them back in. No. No. You have to set expectations up front and be firm and let them yeah. know this is how it's going to go. Right. And this is the process. Yeah. If they don't understand the process, they're going to be messaging you constantly. Right. You know, something that I need to work on. Well, let's hear it. Like, okay, we, we make an offer mm-hmm. or you're this listing agent and you sent a counter offer. Okay. Whatever it is. The deadline is 5 p.m. tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And that could be, say, we're waiting to hear back on a counter, an offer, a repair request. It doesn't matter. Anything with a deadline. Yeah. Just because I have other transactions going on, my buyer seller client is like five o'clock tomorrow, five o'clock tomorrow. So at like 10 a.m. the next day, hey, any word? Noon, hey, any word? It's five o'clock, 3 p.m. Hey, any word? It's when it is approaching the close (laughs) time frame. So what do you want to do? I want to, because I am very much like, the deadline's five o'clock. Yeah, I'm gonna have... give the other side their time. Right. Okay. Yes. I'm not gonna be texting them. Hey, how's it going over there? Right. Hey, no. are you gonna? Then you look so needy. Right. But I feel like my cl- I may need to text my client the next morning and say, 
hey, just want to let you know I haven't heard anything yet. They remember, I'll let you know. I'll when let I hear you know something. as soon as I hear something. Uh, but you know what? So, uh, you have to take it a step further sometimes. Let's just say it's a seller who has sent a counter offer and they're just so anxious to know if it's going to get accepted. And you send them that text in the morning. Hey, deadline is five. I haven't heard anything yet. I promise I'll let you know as soon as I do. Um, but I don't want to reach out to the other agent and make us look so oh, desperate. That's good. So now that's you've given good. them the reason. Like you've right. got to hold this your is... position in the negotiation. You can't go wavering just because you've sent that offer out there. I had an agent that did an inspection on my listing on Monday. Today okay. is Thursday. Okay. We have not gotten, gotten anything, okay. which is kind of annoying to me because it's not how I operate. Right. But in all fairness, they are within, within their, their 10 days. Okay. So I told my, and I'm, I'm fine with it. My seller has called me oh, no. every day. Quite, is this a bad sign? Well, what do you think they're doing? Do they have questions? Do they have the report yet? I'm like, all I can tell you is that they're in their time frame, yeah. and we have to respect their time frame. Right. And this is happening. You know, sometimes you do everything right. And this it still, still happens. It still happens. Yeah. You know, people have different levels well, of anxiety. Of anxiety <laughs> yes. And you just have to go with it. Help them. Yep. And, and recognize the mm -hmm. ones that have the higher anxiety. Yeah. And communicate maybe more frequently with them. Yeah. I think it's just a proactive. I don't know anything yet. Yes. It's all, it, it's <laughs> all you need. That's all I need to do. And then it yeah. helps me. Yep. It helps them. It also lets them know I am being attentive to you. Yeah. Like I'm right on it. But then also, like, say the deadline's five o'clock and it's four o'clock and I haven't heard anything. I mean, at that point, I feel like I would just like gentle reminder. Yes. Hey, if, are we going to get I something? Remember. Right. That's the other point. You know, like okay. I'm sometimes too trusting mm -hmm. that the other side is going to. Yeah. Cause you definitely don't want your client to be texting and calling you at five Oh five. Right. Like what like, happened? Yes. And I've had that happen once and it was a bad feeling because I was like, okay, you know, but oh, also wow. on that note, I had one where I learned my lesson. I put the deadline for five o'clock. Mm -hmm. Why would I put five o'clock? When I pick up my daughter at four. Right. That was a mistake on my part. So what happened is they responded at like 445. Right. And you weren't. And I didn't work. Mode. I was not in work mode. Yeah. I checked my email like an hour after. And by the time I got to my phone, my client was like, oh my gosh, what happened? And I'm like, oh, my mom brain got the best of yeah. me. You know, so I try to always put deadlines of like three o'clock. That right, because I want time to handle this, mm -hmm. get it in. Yeah. So be mindful of like your own schedule. Well, right. Remember that. that after that part of the the negotiation, they might be sending you a counter, and now all of a sudden at five o'clock, you've got a your your seller or buyer or whatever is going to respond want to respond right away, possibly. Mm -hmm. Then you're having to work outside of that time frame. So I think that's a mm -hmm. good tip to keep the deadlines at times when you know you can actually work. Yes. Not, it doesn't need to be 9 p.m. deadline. Just because that's 24 hours from now. Like, okay, so a good rule of thumb for a long time, I did, you know, 24 hour response on an offer. If I'm sending you an offer, I want to give you time to respond. Think about your response times too in your negotiation. Yeah. Lately, especially if you have a hot property, and I'm sure yeah. in these markets that are like crazy, people will give you like a three or four hour response time. I'm like, well, you're annoying the seller now. Right. Because the seller doesn't have time. You're, you're, everyone is on edge because you're making it seem so over the top urgent. And mm -hmm. I get it. Like mm -hmm. coming from the buyer side, I understand that you're just trying to get in there and get a response before there is another offer. But at the same time, that, you've got to give, we've talked about this in another episode. 
that seller in the morning is going to have a different opinion on that offer than they did within the four hour window when oh, they yeah. got it. Yeah. So if you only give them four hours and you're insistent on getting, getting a response, that response might be rejected. Right. But in the morning, that response might then, here's a decent counter or I'll accept this. Or so you've got to give these people some space to get through all the emotions of the negotiation. You can't just force them to get it done in a smaller time frame. Yeah. And if you're on the receiving end of that, for example, I'm trying to negotiate my way through this 25 item repair right. request that I have 72 hours. Yeah, it's hard. So I emailed the agent and said, I'm letting you know we are not doing the tree. I am working on getting estimates on all the other items, but right. my goal is to have a response to you within our deadline by 1 p.m. Friday. Right. Because that's our deadline. That's very clear. I want him to know. I'm aware of the deadline. Mm -hmm. We're working on it. But you've given it's me a lot, lot to do. And I'm doing my best. Right. But I'm letting you know ahead of time, three days in advance, that and this is not happening. Right. Don't keep asking me. So, you know, I think it's if it's those little extra drops of communication. If you can just shoot an email yeah. and say, hey, just want to let you know I'm working on this. Right. Communication is key in your negotiation. And that's the hard, all the extra fluff like that is really hard when you're busy. It's very hard when you're busy, but it's, I think that very it's hard. those little things that can make oh my God. a really big difference. I agree. I completely agree. And lead to overall less stress because yeah. you're not being interrupted. If you don't be, if you don't send the proactive text, you will receive yes the annoying, anxious at like a, at a time when you were yeah. not prepared for it. Yeah. Hello, friends. We are so excited that so many of you are using the template course and the reviews are just pouring in, letting us know that it has helped your business as much as it has helped our business. Yes, listen to this review. Thank you so much for providing this wealth of information, knowledge, and template form. So far, I've used a handful and received positive feedback like, this is so professional, or I really appreciate how organized you are. I mean, can you imagine? Yeah, Your clients are there. actually going to say that. Yes. All right, here's another one. Thank you so much for this. I can't tell you how many times I've started this and how many notebooks of samples and notes I had. <laughs> I have ADHD and it is super hard to stay focused on getting it done. Having it all in one place is going to make it so nice. That is what we're here for. No, just look, you don't need to reinvent the wheel. Just yeah. use these. Yeah, nice and simple, easy, ready to go, ready for you to put your own logo on, make it sound like you. So head over to hustlehumblypodcast.com slash course slash course and check it out that's right and you're going to enjoy them you're going to love them you're going to love gonna it. change your life literally fired <laughs> my assistant they are the best okay, enjoy the template yes enjoy okay i i want to talk about i read this article in the business insider okay and this one because it spoke the title spoke to me negotiations start wait hold on it was called nine negotiation tips for people who hate negotiating. Oh, so if you've come to us with a distaste for negotiating, but a necessity within your job, I'm kind of that way. I don't love it either. And you know why? <laughs> it's because we're generally nice. Yeah. And so it is hard to navigate a negotiation without getting a little forceful sometimes. Right. So it's not supernatural, but there are nine tips and they were pretty decent. Number one, this was in the Business Insider magazine, okay. if anyone's looking. Uh, number one, negotiating is separate from conflict. Yes. 
it, so that's the win-win. Mm-hmm. You, someone doesn't have to win and lose. It is no. not a conflict. You're both trying to do the same thing. So this important tip is you have to keep your goal in mind. And yeah. it would be helpful if you knew the other party's goal as well. <laughs> so if the seller's goal is to move three months from now, that's what you need to know their goal. Uh, okay, so negotiating, not conflict. Number two, be optimistic. Yeah, <laughs> I like that one. Believe you're going to succeed. So that's the mindset one again. Three, show up prepared. Show up prepared. Yeah. Anticipate questions and know what is possible in a situation. I think this is great in a inspection negotiation. If they come to you with a list of 25 things, <laughs> your seller gets overwhelmed. At least when you present it to them, say, hey, listen, most of these things don't look very expensive. You can choose to do some or not do some, but you can also say, here's 500 bucks, you do it. Yeah. But if you don't give, sellers don't automatically know that's an option. Right. So you need to know what the options are and give them the possible outcome. You also need to tell them that the other party can cancel. I think we're not also so good sometimes in the negotiation of pointing out, hey, the alternative to making this work is going back on the market and being stale. Or, you know, people wondering why you couldn't get it together during inspection. Is something wrong with the house? Like, it's just, there's a lot of psychology involved in not getting through. Once you're under contract, I hate nothing more than having to put a house back on the market. It makes me so sad. You want to avoid that at all costs. Yeah. But at some point, I'm willing to. Yeah, it has has to go that way. Okay, so be prepared. Number four, use your active listening skills. Listen. Mm -hmm. Listen. It says, ask questions and repeat answers and you may remember from our episode i think on dealing with emotions Mm -hmm. it was a similar tip on you ask questions repeat back the answers Mm -hmm. and that way people know that you're listening don't just listen be actively listening okay number five ask for what you want even if they started and you've got to get what you wanted on the table so this kind of made me think of you know like when uh your listing is your offer right so my house is listed for 250. That's on the table. I'm yeah. telling you, 250 is what I want. Sure. So the buyer makes their, you know, request. It's out there. Sometimes sellers want to go back at full price, and I'm like, no. Yeah. <laughs> You've already put that out there. It's on right. the table. Right. We don't need to go back. With we that. already offered that. We're already good with that. Yeah. So we know that they don't want to pay that. <laughs> and they said no. <laughs> then they're like, no. And I'm like, you've got to give me something. Like, you know, there's got to be somewhere. You How can many go. showings have we had? Right. How here's, long has it been? Right. Here's the data. Every other house in your in your neighborhood sold 10 days ago and you're still in the market. So approach yeah. it from that. Right. Okay. Uh, I had an uh, agent say one time, and I love this. It's so funny. Um, right now, this is the only person asking us to the dance. Yes. So do you want to go to the dance? Yeah, right. Like, <laughs> Or maybe we need to talk about a different document and that would be withdrawing your listing from the market. Right. Right. Which is okay. Yeah, we could do that. Too. But we can't, we got to pick. All right. Um, number six, remember you are always negotiating during a negotiation. So they talked about body language and we've kind of covered this already. Uh, number seven, identify and address interest, the whys of what they want. So someone comes to you with a crazy closing date or, you know, closing costs or whatever it is. What is the why? Are you getting an RD loan or a VA loan? Do you need all the closing costs? Like right. you have no, like there's got to be a why before you can't just go counter because you want to counter. Sure. You have to know. So that is our responsibility though, to relay to our seller. Hey, this offer is VA. 
That mm-hmm. means it's a hundred percent loan. They don't have the money to do your closing costs. If you want to counter the price, that's okay, but we can't counter these closing costs. And if right. that's a deal breaker for you, then we need to just reject. Like mm-hmm. we can't waste everyone's time mm-hmm. because you don't know the rules. This is my favorite also. I have buyers all the time do this to me. All right, the house is listed for 250. We make an offer for 240. No closing costs, just okay. straight 240. Okay. Seller comes back at 245. Yeah, I know where you're going. With <laughs> and that. my and then my buyer says, "Okay, I'll pay the 245, but I want 5,000 in closing costs." And I and I, and I have to say, Your 240." And I had to say, "I'm that's exactly 240. As the yeah. seller doesn't care how you break these numbers up. Right, it's the same. It's and the I don't. Same. And honestly, I just don't know that buyers even think about it that way. They because don't. Because to them, it's I'm now I'm paying 245, but I'm like, it's the same. It's yeah. the same. Um, but it also is a good point when you're presenting that offer. If you need closing costs, then you better make that price as close to the list as you can. And I try to let the agent know. Here's our offer based on the comps. This is why I just want to let you know that closing costs are very important to my buyer. Yeah. Yes. And when I'm countering as the listing agent and there's, you know, come down on price plus closing costs, I typically ask the question, is price more important or is it the closing costs? I need to know. Like if they need the closing costs, then I'm just going to counter the price. I try to always encourage my sellers to only counter price. Yeah. Like what price do we need to do to, uh, to, to, cover, need to cover all the terms? So that way, when I deliver it, just doing the I'm like, hey, we've mm-hmm. agreed to the home warranty. Yeah. And the termite report. Look at how agreeable we and are. And the refrigerator, washer, dryer. All these things. And your closing costs. But that's also why when I write offers, I don't put all that don't garbage put all in, it in there. there. <laughs> no. I'm like price, closing costs. Yeah. Maybe like, you know, refrigerator, washer, dryer, right. which is just a standard thing. But we're not going to get into tarp inspection. No. We're not going to get into home warranties. Right. I mean, it's hard for a listing agent to deliver an offer. When the, the laundry list is long. Yeah. It just makes it makes the sellers like because, any, anything else. But, that- you know, and that's why as the listing agent, I always send their net with the offer. So yes. I'm like, I know it looks like a long list. But the bottom line number is exactly what we were anticipating yes. at the beginning. Right. And I will typically point that out. This net is either the same, maybe sometimes it's, sometimes it's higher and they get, they'll get fussy because they don't, there's such a long list, right? Right. right. Like, but this number is higher I'm than what we were expecting. Yeah. So if you get approached with an offer like that, then I think it's wise. You've got to tell them the bottom line because yeah. they'll just be like, this is so much stuff. I don't want to buy a $500 warranty. I don't want to pay for a termite certificate. Um, the termite certificates absolutely crack me up <laughs> me too. because when I started 15 years ago, the required Louisiana purchase agreement said the seller has to provide a termite inspection. Yes. And that's why they're asked for still. It, exactly. It was in there. So the seller had to show up to closing with a termite inspection that said it was free and clear of termites, but it was allowed if you ha- if your house had termites, they could treat it and then get the clear, you know, termite yeah. certificate and it'd be fine. Well, imagine you show up to closing as a buyer and discover that the house had termites, but that's yeah. okay. They treated it. So yeah, it's fine now. We're fine. And yeah. you didn't know that before. So at whatever point in the last, I don't know, 10 years, they take that out, right? Yes. And they change it to what I think is very logical. All the inspections are the buyer's responsibility. Anything you want. You can inspect anything. Anything. 
But especially the agents that were more veterans and used to that would continue to put that in there. As far as I know, the only required loan that's going to make the seller do it is VA. That all the other loan types, right? Buyer can do that. And if you don't write it in the, here's a little interesting tidbit. If you don't write that in the contract, you know, seller to provide would destroy insect report. Whether you get one or not, the lender doesn't care. No, but if you write it in the purchase agreement, the lender needs to see it. Yeah. And now if it didn't come back clean, whether that's a problem for your buyer or not, it's a problem for their loan. Yes. So that's one of those things that don't add extra terms. Just, just clean as clean as possible. Okay. I had a seller that their house was listed at like 725 and we've been on the market. We've been on the market. We've been on the market. Okay. Finally, we get an offer. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was like 675. Oh. And I'm like, oh, well, but you're like, but somebody's coming to the dance. The data. Yeah. Like the number of showings with no offers is yeah. letting me know, well, this is our first offer after all these showings. A lot of showings. And uh, it might be what the market is telling us. Okay. So let's pause. This is emotional. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's emotional for the sellers. Mm-hmm. But it's our job to remind them that you've been begging someone to just make an offer. Yes. Oh, yes. And I know that this is not the number you were hoping, but we have got to work it. Okay. Mm-hmm. And to remind them that this person is not here to be the bad guy. Right. I heard in one of the podcasts I was listening to that the number one detrimental thing you can do during negotiations is make up stories about the other side. Oh. So, like in your own mind. Yes. Yeah, so the sellers are like, who is this person? Who do they think, do they, they, think are? they are? And, and you kind of have to say, who do they think they are making an offer right. on your house? house that you've been trying to sell. That we've been trying to sell. Right. Oh Let's gosh. see what we can do. But, and it's, it's fine line because you need to speak, be the voice of reason to your sellers yeah. who are emotional mm-hmm. about maybe the home they've lived in for 20 years yeah. or whatever. But you have to be the voice of reason that says, Listen, I know that you feel this way. However, mm-hmm. this is like the only person that's been willing to even write right. anything. Mm-hmm. So maybe we should appreciate that. Yeah. So anyway, they were like, we're not selling a dollar below 700. Okay. They're like, the thought of us even right being in the sixes like makes is a deal breaker. Is it, it we can't wrap our brain around it. Okay. You know? So we countered at like, you know, 710 and they right. came back at like 690 and oh, we so countered at like 705 and um, the buyer's agent called me and was like, okay, Alyssa, my buyer is having like a mental block. He's like, I just can't pay 700. Right. So someone needs to do house. 699. I said, do you think you could get him to write it up for like 699.9? And he was like. I, I think I could. I said, and I know my people have said, can't do it. Not doing a dollar. Okay? Right. Okay. But I'm telling him. I'm so excited to hear how this goes. I'm telling him, I'm like, just write it up for six ninety nine nine. Uh-huh. And I called my seller and they were at first like, for real? A hundred dollars? Like he's going to do this over? Forget that. And I said, okay. So are we going to walk away and you're going to be like, I showed him over. I showed I showed that buyer who's the boss. He's not getting my house. Right. Over 
$100. I said, how about this? If you will do this, I will give you a $100 bill at, at closing. closing. I will I will do that for you. And what did they say? And they, what ended up happening is she was like, let me call you. I'm like, she's like, I have to sit on this. Uh, yeah. Because in the moment, you, you, you're not, you're you not, like, I said, yes. And you're not thinking like, okay, so you're going to keep your, your $700,000 house. Yeah. Those aren't exactly easy to so sell. So you're going to be sitting on your couch, yeah. not making your move forward Look with your $100 bill mm-hmm. saying, I won. Mm-hmm. Like, no, Mm-mm. no, you did. You actually lost. You lost. You lost, you lost. because we are the ones right. wanting to sell. Yeah. And you were like, I showed them. Yeah. How dare, you know, like I beat them away with a stick. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so we agreed. Okay. And honestly, after like two hours, oh, she was like, fine. Yes. But it's hard because nobody wants to feel like they're being taken advantage of. No. No. And they want to feel like they're being fought for. Yeah. But we have closed this gap, which started off pretty big, quite large. Yeah. And in the end, do you want to keep your house and keep your utilities and keep mowing your grass? Right. And have two mortgages or or lose out on the house that you're buying or whatever the case may be. And so it's like, sometimes we have to be that voice Mm -hmm. of reason that says, what was the original offer? 675? Yeah. So y'all did literally split the difference. Yes. But but off by $100. Right. The, the buyer won. The buyer quote unquote won. won. <laughs> because That's they amazing. got their $100. Go for it. But you know what? Like at the closing table, the buyers were like the sweetest people. Oh, and the seller felt happy. And the seller sat at the closing table and shared everything about the house yes. with them. I love it. And even though I knew telling that agent to write it up for six ninety nine nine was gonna like tick off my sellers, yeah. They, but said, at six ninety five, they wouldn't have done it. No, six ninety nine, they nope. probably wouldn't have done nope. it. No, they were mad about the hundred dollars. Yes, and you were like, oh. But like that's when we have to be the voice of reason to yes. say, are you gonna want to be sitting on your couch, right, holding your hundred dollar bill, yeah. saying I won, right? When the reality is. Your house is still on the market. Yeah. Nobody else has come along. Yes. I think this part of the negotiation is where you also need to insert yourself and say, if this, if we can't make this work, I'm okay if you need to remove the house from the market. Yes. Because I don't think we're going to do better than this. Right. And it doesn't make sense for you to keep showing it and for me to keep working and all of these things. And I think that when negotiations start... Thanks to social media yeah. and the internet and whatever else, people are stalking the other people. Oh my God. Yes. I looked up the buyer on Facebook and he's an attorney, so he has money. Oh yeah. Or whatever yes. they say. You oh know? my God. I have some clients that <gasps> hardcore stalk the yes. sellers. I'm like, whoa. Yes. And thanks to like ring doorbells and oh, things where people are word. listening to you talk about yes. the house and what you're saying. Yeah. It's just like, oh, this is painful. Oh, we had, I had a listing in the summer and the ring doorbell caught. And of course, not only did it catch the, the, the video, but my sellers listened to the audio and they were talking, the lady who looked at the house, she loved it. And she took a picture on the front porch after the, at the end of their showing and how this was going to be her house. And she was so excited. Well, do you think they needed to be flexible in their negotiation, my Mm-mm. seller? No, Mm -hmm. not at all. 
Y'all, everything you say and do can be recorded while you're in a house. I had uh, one of my sellers call me, like the home inspection on their house was from like three to five. They called me at five and were like, hey, they're going to (gasps) cancel. They heard them. And I was like, how do you know? And she was like, we heard them on the door. We were listening. And um, the dad that came to the home inspection, like, hates the house. (laughs) Oh, no. And I was like, wow, technology is really making this tough. Really making this tough. And sure enough, that night I got a cancellation. Were you like, well, at least I wasn't surprised. (laughs) And I don't have to break the news to my sellers. They already, hey, that's kind of nice though. They heard everything. You already know. But it's like, I try to always bring people's, because how many times (sighs) have I heard, I don't want the buyer to win. I don't want, well, this seller is being unreasonable. Well, this, well, and it's like all we can do. Is see what is the house worth yeah. to you personally? Do right. you like it enough to pay this much? Right. Are you, Mr. Seller, ready to move yeah. enough? Is it worth it if you add together right. your mortgage payments and your utilities yeah. and where you're going? Yeah. And it doesn't, we as agents have to do the best that we can yes. to take their brain off of the people. You agree. And keep it very factual. Right. And goal oriented. You want to buy a house. Yes. You want to sell a house. Yes. The end. The rest of this that doesn't matter. Goal. We all have the same goal. Yeah. But they want to make everybody out to be the villain. Right. Like, how dare you get an inspection on my house right. and tell me something's mm-hmm. wrong with it? Yeah. I know. That's tough. Okay. There was two, two things left in the tips. Okay. Number eight, link concessions to things you want. Like a okay. yes, yes. If. Yeah. So, yes, I will give you the refrigerator if you take out this home warranty. Or, yes, I will do this repair if whatever. Um, and number nine, respectfully say no. Yeah. And then plan a time to revisit the conversation if the parties can't agree now. So that's the same thing as what we're saying. Okay. If you can't agree now, if it seems like a no. And this just ha- just happened to me. My, I have a buyer wanting to make an offer on a listing that I would say is somewhat overpriced, but kind of tough to come. And um, he makes his offer. It's way too low. I don't expect that the seller's going to take it. They don't, but they do counter. We have like an open negotiation for a minute and then it, it doesn't work. He's at his max. Seller, it just keeps coming back with the same, look y'all, but the seller has come back two or three times with the same <laughs> counter. Please, that's what it is. Please stop sending it more counters. They don't want to, they don't want to go any lower, but here's where it got interesting because hmm. my, my guy was still way too far off from what the seller kept countering like th- two or three times. And I'm like, that's it. Cause he wanted to go back again. I'm like, no, we're done. If you want to pay what he's, what he's countering right now, that's the option. If not, we need to let it go and revisit later. And he was like, okay, fine. Well, a couple of weeks went by. And then he was like, still, you know, I've looked at some property nearby, like the vacant land. And I really do think the house is maybe worth, it's worth this to me, right? Sure. You know, he's like, Can, if we could just get it at this number, which was way higher than he had been, would, I would, I would consider. And it was, again, it was like a, he wants to be in the 230s. They're listed at 250 and the counter could end up in the 240s. Mm-hmm. So I went back to the agent and I said, hey, look, my guy's willing to go into the, 230s do you think that's going to work for the seller and we sort of open the line of communication again don't you know under contract now wow so but we let it go yeah everything expires we say thank you and i very and i very politely told the agent thank you so much we are you know i'll keep you posted if if something happens with the seller and he changes his mind let me know and i let it go 
I wrote down that you have to be at peace with yes. your decision. And I tell that to my clients too, Yes, especially in a multiple offer situation. And I think I, I won't go into this too much because I think we covered it in the offers episode. Yeah. But in that situation, I tell my clients, all I can do is show you the facts, mm-hmm. but you have to decide what is it worth to you. Yep. And we have to know ahead of time our limits. Mm-hmm. Try. Yeah. And if I have to call you and say, hey, we didn't win. Right. You have to say, wow, that just really wasn't meant to be. That's not the house for us. That's not the house I for know. us. You know, and I, you have to prepare them for that. I said, I don't want to call you and you say, dang, I wish we would have gone a thousand more. Oh, I had a buyer lose a house over a refrigerator once. Wow. And they were so upset. Happens. And, but the good news is you just take those stories and then you have them next time. And that's exactly why you have the confidence to say, do you want to lose the house over a hundred dollars? Right. Or do you want to lose the house over a fridge? It's okay. If that's, if that's your limit, that's fine. That's what I have to say. It's okay if that's, that's it. If that's your breaking point, I'm okay with that. But I want you to do the soul searching to decide if that's really the breaking point. Mm -hmm. Is the fridge really the end? Like I can't go beyond because it's a thousand dollars. Yeah. A used fridge. I mean, it's not a lot. Right. Okay. I've gotten all my notes done. Um, I had a agent recently, um, tell me she was sending me an offer, Mm -hmm. blah, blah. She was someone I knew. So I guess she felt comfortable, but this is a good lesson. <laughs> oh no. She was making comments, you know, they're a little difficult. They're but about the buyer. Yes. Her buyer. Mm-hmm. What row? She was like, you know, they're both engineers and and I'm in my brain going, Nope, I don't wanna <laughs> I can't. <laughs> if you're telling me your client is difficult and an engineer. Two engineers, they, I know how this inspection is gonna go. Yeah. I need to prepare my seller that right. their house is about to be inspected by an engineer and that mm-hmm. they're already difficult. Whereas if she wouldn't have said a thing, you wouldn't have I wouldn't have even been on guard about it. Yeah. I would have just, and it did hurt us in the long run, you know, or if you're like, if I ask an agent like, Hey, who are they? Pre-approved? Oh, I don't know who their lender is, but they told me they're pre-approved. No, no. That's an issue. There are things that agents say. Oh, yes. That professional experienced agents hear. Right. And, and pick it, up on. And pick up on. And, and it affects the negotiation. Know. It affects the mm-hmm. negotiation big time. Like, yeah. You know. Oh, red flags. <laughs> so like, There's so many red flags. Mm-hmm. But you only know them after time and experience. Yeah. Or, or luckily we're telling you some red flags. But, but I think as agents, not only are we here to shield our clients mm-hmm. from what's happening emotionally, yeah. but we don't need to be blabbing our mouths no. to the other agents. There has to be buffer. No matter how friendly. Right. Keep things very black and white. Oh my gosh. You know, there doesn't need to be a bunch of details and gray no, area no, no. and fluff. It just needs to be like, hey, we love the house. Here's our offer right. based on this. Oh, right. great. This is. Yes. And it is our job to stay calm uh-huh. and to be the good yeah. communicators. Right. And let our clients feel the feels. Yeah. And then we just manage the feels. Yeah. But we don't feed the feels. Nope. Don't feed them. Don't feed them at all. No. No. This was good. So good. Mm-hmm. Okay. I hope that it helps people. Yeah. I mean, I think it will. It helped me. Listen. <laughs> it helped you. Perfect. Yeah. The biggest number one tip for me here is listen and let the other person fill. If you want a real negotiation tip, let the other person fill in the silence. Yeah. You will die 
at what they say. Oh my gosh. And you will die when you realize what you've been saying <laughs> in the space. Don't, don't <laughs> fill that space, friends. Don't fill it. One time I was on mute. <laughs> I, I had muted myself. Okay. And um, <laughs> I was talking, but I don't, I don't know. I just kept talking, not realizing that they couldn't hear me. And I would say like, you know what I mean? And they weren't saying anything. And they didn't anything. say anything. So then I just kept talking. And then I realized, then finally they were like, hello. And I was like, oh, thank God. I thought I was like, like. You thought you were failing miserably. Failing this conversation. But they just couldn't hear me. But it's such a good lesson. <laughs> I would have failed them. Just be quiet. You were filling it up. You're like, oh, oh no. They didn't I, respond. Because I was like, you know. I mean. If you really think about it, like, <laughs> you just get, I see I'm an over talker. So like, this is an important tip for me to like, not, not fill the silence. Just don't, because I want to talk. I was so relieved when I looked at my phone and Thank saw God. that I was on mute. That's like, amazing. Oh, they didn't hear any of that. Thank Good. goodness. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. Let's do a toast. Okay. Um, before we toast, I do want to say a lot, a lot, a lot of people um, did request this episode, but specifically I had written down Casey Gray and, um, Emily Ness. So we yeah. love them. Thank you for requesting. We want you guys to send us the request. It's this very helpful. came in a few times. Yeah. Okay. So today's toast. Let me see here, friends. Um, okay. We have a toast. I hope I, okay. From Christina Tracy. And okay. I don't know where she is. I am so sorry. Um, Christina wants to, would love, she says, oh. love to toast her dear friend, um, Danielle Blair. She's oh. a devoted Hustle Humbly listener and practices all that we preach. Yay. Um, we're both new to the business and she has had such a huge real estate week after months of patience and focusing on professional and personal growth. Oh, that's so good. I can't think of a more deserving, kind person. All the hard work pays off. I know. We're so proud of Danielle. So cheers to Danielle. That's amazing. That is amazing. Okay. Bye, friends. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Hustle Humbly podcast. Let us know who we should toast to for the next episode. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Hustle Humbly Podcast. If you have an episode, topic, or question, please email us at hustlehumblypodcast at gmail.com. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. See you next week. Bye. This is the good life.